Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the History Hit Warfare podcast. I'm your host, James Rogers, and it's that time of year in November where we remember all of those that have served and the sacrifice they have made in the military. We have Raj Bishram on the podcast. Now, you may know Raj from the Antiques Road Trip, Flog It, Bargain Hunt, Would I Lie to You? But you might not know that Raj joined the British Army in the 1970s straight out of school. He was 17 years old, spent five years serving in the British Army. He rose his way up to become one of the leading sportsmen, an international skier for the Army. Now, Raj talks quite frankly about what it was like in the military. And we get an insight into what it was like during the 1970s, some of the good some of the bad, especially the race issues, the racism issues within the British Army during that period. Now, Raj speaks about how he dealt with that and has some advice for those who might be dealing with similar issues. But Raj is also a founding member of the Royal British Legion's Tommy Club, which helps veterans undergoing problems as they come out of the military and how to reintegrate into civilian life. Raj talks passionately about this and he explains how we can all get involved at this point time of the year. Enjoy. Hi Raj, welcome to the History Hit Warfare podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm having a great day, thank you very much. And first of all, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. No, it, it is our absolute pleasure. Many people will know you as an antiques expert, an auctioneer on things like the Antiques Road Trip, Flog It, Bargain Hunt. I think I saw you on Would I Lie to You the other week. But they might not know you also served in the British Army. Tell us, when did you join and what made you want to join the Army? Well, I joined straight from school. In fact, I was 17 years old. And I joined in 1973. I didn't serve for very long. I served till 1977. And I guess the the main reason for me joining up was, one, I was a bit of a rebel at school. And we actually had a CCF of which I was a member of. And it really, a lot of the boys were trained to go to Welbeck or Sandhurst. But there was myself and a group of friends and we thought, no, you know, we want to take the proper route. So we wanted to just join up. 
And we went through the process. And I was also uh, a fairly good sportsman at school. And so one of the uh, reasons was they said to me that if you were good at sport, that the military was a good thing to go into. And in fact, the recruiting sergeant at the time said, you sure you want to join up and you want to join up as an ordinary soldier? Because I had done my O uh, and A levels and I, I, you know, I had the qualifications to go to uh, to Santos, I should say. But I really did want to go in as an ordinary soldier. I don't know why, because it was quite tough. But I just look back with, with mostly, mostly fond memories and good friendships that have lasted over 40 years, which is fantastic. It's like a family. It doesn't matter how long you've served, how long you've been in. When you meet a fellow squaddy, you've always got something in common with them. And it's, 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 it's a nice, warm feeling. I, I like the way that uh, you said mostly twice. That leads me to believe that your basic training was not a walk in the park. What did that involve? What did you do in those first couple of years while you were in the military? I remember my first camp that I went to. I was the only brown face for miles, I should think, which was quite extraordinary. But I was used to that because even at school, I was the only brown face. So I'd kind of grown up with people calling me names, etc., etc. But the army was a step up and you had to stand up for yourself. And that's one of the reasons, because of my sporting background and the reason that I felt, because I was quite a, a skinny little fella, you know, I wanted to be a PTI. And once I uh, had trained and become a PTI in the regiment... Tell us, what's a PTI for those that don't know, Raj? PTI is a physical training instructor. The one that most soldiers, uh, veterans that I meet these days, and they go, you're a PTI, we don't want to talk to you. You're the one who used to make us run round and round and round for weeks. <laughs> and I said, no, I was Absolutely. one of the nice ones. Because I was one of the nice ones, OK? I really do believe that. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, really, no. really, really. Yeah, there are some of us, believe me. And so, I, you know, I toughened myself up and I made sure that I was, I could hold my own, as it were. And, you know, I also had to prove that I could do things better than everybody else, in a way, to hold myself at a level status. But that spurred me on. When you have difficulties, whatever you do, you try and do the best you can to get out, to, to make that situation the best that you possibly can. And you did, didn't you? you? You excelled in the military. It seems like it gave you um, a lot of confidence, some opportunities perhaps you wouldn't get outside of the military. And I was going through some of your notes before this show, and um, you excelled in one particular area. That was skiing, right? The most unlikely area. And I had never skied before, but uh, the military at that time, they wanted a lot of their physical training instructors to learn different sports. So they sent me off to learn to ski. I mean, what an opportunity. And they sent me to a place called Sonthofen in Bavaria. And while I was there on this two-week course, I was seemingly spotted by a, a British Ski Federation skier who said to my CO that this guy might have potential you know you should keep him for the season so they kept me there really tough as it was so my two weeks turned out to be three months and by the end of it I was handling skis okay I was becoming a racer and really enjoying it for me it was a it just felt natural that you know skiing and me I don't know what it is because even today you know I still ski as much as I can today. And I absolutely feel, it just makes me feel free. What was your sport of choice before skiing? Without a doubt, I mean, I was a, an athlete. 
I was brought up in London. We had the equivalent of the London Student Games, and I remember coming first in those, and I represented our, our borough, which was Haringey, and then I went on to uh, the All England Championships, representing Middlesex in the 1500 metres and the steeplechase. But I was, I was a good footballer. I played cricket for the school. I ran cross-country for the school. You know, I was, if I had time to do it, I would try and get in the team. You know, I just love sport. Yeah, because they say with skiing that those who have played sports that you have to really control your body movements, you have to be in the right position. So I, I play rugby, for example. I'm a terrible skier because I'm constantly thinking about the right position to be in. Whereas with skiing, you kind of got to let your body go with the movements as well, haven't you? You've got to do some things you don't expect your body to do. So you're maybe more of a, a free thinker when it comes to your mind and body as well. It's probably because I'm a bit lazy, you know. I just let the skis do the work. <laughs> I guess you could say that. But that's the army gave me that. And so I have a hell of a lot to be grateful for the army. That's just only one of the things they gave me. But without that, because I went on to have a career in the ski world, I went and uh, I became the road manager to the World Aerial Stunt Team. I was the first non-Austrian ski instructor qualified. So I had to, you know, I had to learn the language. I had to live there and I lived in Austria. So from those early days, and I still go back to my hometown in Austria where I lived in Elmau and I get a huge reception. You know, my, my friends and I go every year and it's like, I've been given the sort of freedom of the town there and it's a real honour and they accepted me and it was strange because I remember when I first went there, the young children used to come up to me and touch my skin and does it rub off? I used to rub my hands. I mean, that's what we're going back to and that was only 1977, 78, you know, so it was a, a, a long time ago but that's what they used to do and of course I had to be accepted by the Austrians as well and the only way to do that was to try and ski as well as they could, which I was never going to do, but I wasn't far behind. And they accepted it, you know, they really did accept me into their village. 40 years on, I go back and I have a great time there. There are so many things we don't know about you, Raj. This is really interesting stuff. <laughs> but it, it wasn't all fun and games, was it? Because back then, in the British military, as well as in broader British society, there were race issues. Did you find that these were apparent within the military as well when you served? There's no doubt about it. I've never wanted to make a song and dance about it because my philosophy is you, you get on with it. Maybe that isn't the right way because I have this problem with my daughters, you know, who are in their 30s. The language that we speak today is very different to the language that we spoke all those years ago. But also it's the way in which it's, it's said to you. You know, you know if someone means it in the wrong way and that is something you just have to deal with. And whether it's through physical violence or whether it's through... I always had a policy that I would try and convert people. I still do. I believe if you talk to people and let them understand, actually, we're exactly the same. It's ignorance. It's just ignorance that this attitude comes out. And I, in a small way, I try to convince people that everyone's exactly the same and everyone should be treated the same. You know, my mantra in life is that you treat everybody the way you would expect to be treated. And if you can live by that, then that's a good thing. So, yeah, I had difficulties in the military. I had to stand up for myself. I had a few incidents which weren't very good for me. But it's going to seem the wrong thing to say here. But every time you get up, you get up a little bit stronger, whatever it may be. Can you give us some incidences of a severe and it's quite extreme racism in the forces? Well, you know, you're always taught, and I think this is for all of the armed forces and any big institutions, that you never, the old word, you don't sneak on people, right, OK? Because it was going to be worse for you. So I remember every time it happened, 
Even when I ended up in hospital once, I never ever told anybody what really happened because my life actually in the military became better for it. I was looking after myself for my own safety and, and that meant keeping stum. And that's what, I, that's what I did. There's supposed to be a hierarchy of NCOs. Don't forget, I was uh, the lowest of the low, really. So I had a lot of NCOs above me and officers. They were of the same attitude. Don't complain, don't come to us, sort it out yourself. That was the attitude. Tudor men like their women to look like. They should have broad shoulders, fleshy arms, fleshy legs and broad hips. What did 17th century Londoners think of coffee? A syrup of soot and the essence of old shoes. And what did executioners wear? A lot of these guys, they were clothes horses because it's a big public spectacle. All the eyes are on you. I'm Professor Susanna Lipscomb, and in my podcast, Not Just the Tudors, we talk about everything from monasteries to the Medici, sex to spying, wardrobes to witch trials. Not, in other words, just the Tudors, but most definitely also the Tudors. Subscribe from History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Do you think that the military has come far from that point? Has it improved within the British Army? Well, I think it's got to have done. I don't have any personal association with anybody of colour who's in the army at the moment, but from what I read and what I see, the army has opened up to a lot of other things as well. So I can only hope that it has got better, but you still hear about incidents all the time that come up. And whether, again, it's being kept quiet because everyone is of the same, you know, you don't sneak on people. If that's still the culture, I don't know. I would hope not because I think that uh, officers are a lot more open for private soldiers coming to them and and opening up and and speaking to them. So would your advice be to those who are are suffering in a similar way, if they they are, as you did, in, in the military or any part of the services, it's more to speak out now as opposed to this keep Sturm and carry on? Without a doubt. 
If we want to make change in the right direction, we have to speak out. Sometimes that is painful. It's not easy because, you know... Well, it puts you in a vulnerable situation, doesn't it? And especially when you're scared in that situation yourself. Absolutely. How, how do you know that the person that you're talking to, uh, one level up, isn't actually part of the misdoing in the first place? Because it, it does go all the way to the top, I think. Hard to trust. Yes. And that's something that you should always be able to do in the military. Well, you've got to. War is a great leveller. I mean, no matter where you come from and what your gender is, if you're putting your life out there on the front line for your country, then you have to trust that person that is on your left and on your right. So trust is foundational to the military. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and here's an example of something that I learned in the military, which you have just quoted yourself. When the pandemic hit our village, I live in a village in Kent, a committee was set up to help uh, all the villagers. And I went to see the chairman and I said, look, I've got a military background. And one of the things that's come to my forefront at the moment is if we want to keep an eye on everybody, then it's this is quite a simple process. You look to the right, you phone the person to your right and you phone the person to your left. And if everybody does that in the village, doesn't matter whether they're three miles away, if everybody does that, Everyone's connected and you can keep an eye on everyone. And they put that into practice and it worked beautifully. And everybody was able to look after everybody in the village. That's something from 40 years ago, which I've never, ever needed to use, ever needed to use. And when COVID hit and everyone was in lockdown, it just came straight away to me. This was what we were taught in the military. If you want to keep an eye on everyone, this is the system to use. As we come through and past Armistice Day and Remembrance Sunday, I think that people will be looking and thinking about the role that the military played during COVID as well. And of course, those of you like yourself who were in the military and took those values into society. Is this one of the reasons why you've become a founding patron of the, the Tommy Club, which is the Royal British Legion's national support programme? Is it to get us to really engage with the military and remember those values and to pay some respect for what those members of the military do for our society? Without a doubt. I mean, you know, Remembrance Day is for everybody and everyone. It's a time of reflection. You know, it's because of all conflicts throughout the world where people have given their life for their countries. We are able to do what we're doing now because of the freedoms that those guys gave up. And it's really important that my kids, their, my grandchildren, we all grow up remembering it's very very important this is very very important that we instill on them that we've got this freedom how do we have this freedom because there's a lot of countries in the world that don't have these freedoms okay and that's what we've got to remember because we think that everybody lives like this well they don't we live like this because of what our armed forces have done for us throughout the years and it's a very important time for us to reflect and to thank them absolutely well Thank you, Raj. And perhaps you can tell us a little bit about what the Tommy Club does so that we can all go out there and check it out. Well, the Tommy Club is, for me, it came about because I was doing an antiques road trip. And on the road trip, the main aspect of the programme is to basically, we're given £200, we have to buy things and we have to sell them and make a profit. But every day we go and visit somewhere that's a little bit different or a museum or something to do with the local history and I don't live far away from from the RBLI but I hadn't heard of it and that's it I didn't know what a, an amazing amazing organization this place was and I learned about it and 
I've always wanted to do to help for something in the, with the military. But of course, you know, when you don't have a name, when you're just a veteran, as it were, it's hard to, to help in a, in a large way. Everybody can help, right? Every single person can help. But I was being in a position where I could see that I could actually make a bit of a difference. I had a p- position where I could, I could really do something and I was asked if I would become a founding patron by Steve Sherry, who's the chief executive of uh, the RBLI, and I felt honoured. I had done some charity work for some other cha- military charities already, but this one really hit the spot. When I met the guys who were down there, when I was shown round, when I met everyone who was involved, they do amazing work down there. And they, they founded the charity during lockdown, the hardest time, October 2020, probably the worst time to start anything off, really. And since then, we've raised £165,000 for vulnerable military veterans. So, And we've got 2,000 supporters all over the UK. What they do is they've got a village in Aylesford where 300 veterans can come and live and they're supported as well by work in the factories which they have in Kent and also in in Scotland as well, in Glasgow. And you may not know this, but the road signs that you see when you're travelling around, the majority of them are made by the vets in Aylesford. They're grateful for the work and they're not just grateful. I mean, they're, they're in good spirits down there. I've got, I go there quite often to see them and uh, it's a community now. It's become a community which is around the UK and, and you can join it. It costs £15 a year and, uh, you know, you can work your way up from a bronze, silver, a gold uh, Tommy by helping to, to raise as much money as you can. I mean, it's something that we shouldn't, I feel, you know, we shouldn't have to do because it's something that uh, the government should look after. And I've said this uh, a thousand times. If you're prepared to give up your life for your country, then the, the least they could do is to make sure you look after if you're in a vulnerable position. And we don't. So that's why we have to have these charities. And I know that uh, they're happy to have us as well, which uh, which really counts counts a lot. And we've just got a new ambassador for the Tommy Club. You may not have heard of him, but he plays football for England and his name's Harry Kane. I've heard of him. Yeah, I think I might have heard of him. Yeah, he's become uh, the new ambassador to the Tommy Club, uh, which is fantastic, which is absolutely great news because, uh, and I'm not sure whether he has military links or not, but uh, we need high profile people all the time to uh, spread the word because uh, of all the organisations I've helped, They're all doing a great job. They're all doing a great job. But the Tommy Club itself, in particular, Steve Sherry, got to me and all the team down there, Lisa as well, Emma. I think they do an amazing job. And when you speak to them, the job I'm in, you get to know what people, when they're talking, you know, you know whether they mean it or whether they're just saying it. I have to say that when I talk to them, you know, I feel it. I feel it from their hearts, what they're talking about. And they really do, they do really mean it. And that, that means a lot. Well, I think that we can all hear it from you as well, Raj. You can hear the passion in your voice, how much this means to you. So thank you so much to the Tommy Club and yourself for all your work in this area. And I don't know about you, but I feel like it's a, it's a different Remembrance Day for me this year because you know, a lot of my mates who served in Afghanistan are having a, a bloody hard time of it after the botched withdrawal that we've had there. And we've had a lot, a lot of deep chats about this. You know, it's a, it's a 20-year 20 years in, in, in Afghanistan and such a difficult time to see the country become unstable once again and the Taliban take hold. So 
I think this year, if anyone is thinking to, you know, just donate a little bit of money to help veterans, then the Tommy Club is a great place to do it. And we'll put a link into our, our podcast description so you can do that straight away. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And before you go, remember, as a Warfare listener, you get a special discount at History Hip. Subscribers get access to blissfully, uninterrupted, ad-free podcasts and thousands of hours of history documentaries. You've got everything from the American Revolution to my own documentaries like Traces of War, Weapons of War and 24 Hours in Normandy, where I follow in the footsteps of the Green Howards on D-Day from their beach landings to being awarded the Victoria Cross and all the way through their first day where they made it seven miles inland further than any other British or American unit. So head over to historyhit.com forward slash subscribe or follow the link in the show notes and use the code WARFARE to get 50% off your next three months. That's the code WARFARE to get 50% off. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free episodes within the app. So give it a go. I know you're gonna love it.